listening to the Franchise Podcast Network, presented by Lucky Star Casino. KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City, a product of Tyler Media, entertaining you since 1965. Now, the Road to OKC Softball Show with Ryan Chapman and former Sooner National Champion and current OKC Spark pitcher Alex DeRocco on your home for the Sooners, 1077, the franchise. It's Monday. We're here. I'm glad you found us. It's time for the road to OKC. Ryan Chapman alongside the phenomenal Alex Straco. And Alex Straco, who fought like a war to get back here basically today to do this show. It is the road to OKC, breaking down everything in the world of softball. OU softball, Marinator Classic. There was some fun stuff in Austin. All across the country, softball is humming as we are on the verge of getting to March. Alex, hi. Hello. How are you? I'm glad you made it. I'm glad I'm here, and I really did fight a war. I went from Palm Springs to Denver and ran a cross-country meet and made my plane to Oklahoma City, so, yeah. You ran the meet, or you ran in the meet? All of it. She ran it, because to to get here, it sounds like... We're, we'll just peel this back. There was about a 15-minute period where we didn't think the show was going to happen today, as uh, Alex was working overtime not any fault of her own delays meant that she might miss a connection all that stuff and uh what you didn't tell me in all this is that you're going through denver so not only did you have to run through a massive airport you're doing it at altitude too i felt it i was like i finally got to the plane and i was like wheezing at (laughs) and i was like dang i didn't think i'd be like that out of shape but when i tell you i was sprinting um and thank goodness we had some time to like catch our breaths but yeah, no sprinting because we were delayed out of Palm Springs. We only from this jump only had 45 minutes of a layover, so we knew we were cutting it close. And then we got alerted about the delays, and we were like, "Crap! Okay, this is how it's gonna go." And then we were like prepping ourselves in case this happened, and like every option was no bueno. Every option was like stay the night in Denver, basically, because I was I knew that for like from my perspective. The, the worst thing that happened to me was that the show got altered today. But I didn't know if there was, like, a situation where... Because, like, that's where our correspondence was mainly sitting around. was like, are you going to make it for the show? I care about you as a human. But it was also, like, a show, what's happening type thing. I, we never got to the point of me being like, okay, now that everything's canceled, let me circle back and be like, okay, are you getting, like, back to Oklahoma City today? Are you having to, like, is it a tomorrow situation? I'm glad that you didn't have to consider any of that because it sounds like it was either... You make it back today or you're spending a day in Denver. Yep. Which that's, is not a bad thing, but that's not exactly planned. that's exactly what it was. It was either spend the night, come back tomorrow, rent a car, drive back and not get back till two. It was have a layover again in Houston and then not make it back to Oklahoma City till one. So it was it was everything was on the line. Everything. Well, as you showed us uh, in Oklahoma City, both in the Women's College World Series and for the Oklahoma City Spark last year, when everything's on the line, Alex Straco delivers, and she delivered today, simply making it to the gate. Why she was rushing around, obviously, she was boots on the ground at the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic. If you missed our show last week, first off, welcome. Catch up. We're podcasted, thefranchiseok.com or Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Just search the road to OKC. We're there, but... Alex got to take in Oklahoma in person. One of the few people uh, we've talked to really the last couple of weeks has gotten to see Oklahoma in person. So Sooners, five games at the Mary Nutter, a pair on Friday. It was the late show, 9-3 victory over Mississippi State, 10-2 win over Wisconsin. That was in five innings. Circled back around on Saturday, a 7-0 shutout, thanks to Kirsten Deal, complete game shutout against San Diego State. And then a pair of run roll victories, 8-0 over Seattle in six innings on Sunday, 9-0 in five innings over Loyola. Marymount, a perfect 5-0 weekend yet again for the Sooners. Win streak up to 67. Not that anyone's talking about it, but we're talking about it. But one of the things that kind of stuck out to you, Alex, because uh, it was such a weird weekend from the way that Friday played out with because of UCLA and Nebraska going late and then UCLA and Northwestern basically going down to the wire. It got started an hour later 
It was uneasy for the first couple of innings as defensively and in the circle. It wasn't just pristine and perfect as it could be. But thankfully for Oklahoma, the bats appeared to be locked in from from the jump this past weekend. Yeah, I think a big thing that I kind of noticed was when you kind of look in through the weekend, like, yes, there's some early-ended games, but, like, even that Wisconsin game, um, it was kind of close, and then all of a sudden in the fifth, they wanted to break it open. And and same with um, LMU and even Seattle. Like, it was kind of close, and then they kind of broke it in. Um, I think they just kind of needed that fire start. Um, a lot of girls got to see their families. I think that's a big part of it, too. You're, you're kind of grinding, be, being able to... Um, kind of locked into your bubble and then you get to see some family some people you you haven't seen in a while so i know married under is always a big trip but um definitely got fired up i loved just the attitude the energy you see the pictures on social media and like everyone's just freaking out about any kind of home run any kind of reaction um jada coleman got some air this weekend and you know there's some little social media about no fly zone and you know love to see that and just and all that stuff and i think it was just fun to see kind of that the bats really break out there wasn't a ton of runners left on base which has kind of been kind of the debate the past couple of weeks um in those closer games that's what kind of everyone's when questioning okay like why has it been close and it's like okay we're escaping with some w's i don't think we should really complain but then you look cross country and i think Clearwater, with being how big the scores were, um, that was a little bit of a maybe panic mode from fans. But um, I think Mary Dutter kind of shut everyone up because it was a lot of fun to be there. And I'm I'm sure watch too, but yeah, being there was a lot of fun. It seemed like Oklahoma through the first two weekends, and in a weird way, where obviously everything, every discussion on Oklahoma softball is grading on a curve that is high and above the standard that everyone else has to play to, which is incredibly unfair, but it's also like we know what this team is capable of. We've seen it, and so that, that's why I think that a lot of people that are not just tuning into the World Series, but I like last year, early on for you guys, the Mark Campbell Invitational, I would get the, like, what is wrong with the offense? I'm like, they just played three top 15 teams. There's nothing wrong with the offense. It's weekend one. That's kind of what happens. And then the UCLA game where losing to Baylor didn't help that, and then the UCLA game having everyone like exhale. It feels like the Mary Nutters where you get two weekends of getting out simultaneously the first weekend jitters type thing. And then we, we've seen Jada Coleman a couple of times settling at the Mary Nutter because anyone that gets like too fired up and almost over swinging stuff like that feels like that's finally left the system and you're into the, the day-to-day once you get up to you've played nine games, 10 games, 11 games, 12 games. And it, and it feels like that's exactly what happened. I mean, you got um, Oklahoma going blow for blow early with Mississippi State. You had Oklahoma jumping out of Wisconsin and Wisconsin like hanging around. You were like, okay, Oklahoma, you can't just show up and say, we're Oklahoma, this game is over. Wisconsin wanted to play, and then Oklahoma seemed to... It almost felt like they were tired on Friday night. We heard um, Patty Gasso talk on... I can't remember if it was Saturday or Sunday where she was talking with Chris Plank about how because of everything was late, they got to the stadium and then basically just like sat in the bus, which has to be like a really weird experience just to like okay we're here we're there but because it's such chaos it's almost like the best place to be where you can be on your own is cramped up into the bus or in and around it and you didn't see that affecting in Mississippi State offensively but I almost felt like you got the knock on of like maybe they're mentally exhausted from the delay and all that stuff early on against Wisconsin yeah no I can definitely possibly see that being a factor um and I think it's honestly the just the best case scenario of situations um, because as if you were if they were to come off the bus a little early and hang around, they kind of have like free access with the fans. It's literally just a rope separating everyone. And when I tell you that, you know, when Oklahoma's entering the park or the field, like, you know, because there's a swarm, there was screaming, there was balls being thrown to get autographed. I'm not kidding. There was children on dad's shoulders. Sounds like a, I guess for us. This might be a reference that only people of our age group get, but it's like when I imagine like the Jonas Brothers are around and it's just like, ah, they're here. Like that's what I imagine the like the scene from all the the travel ball, uh, you know, kids that are basically coming in like that. This is what Patty Gasso talks about. As a kid in California, you go to the Mary Nutter and it's like, I've dreamed of playing in that. All the people that are the kids dreaming, they're like, they're here. One of the, I, I'm imagining that's how that, that goes down. Yes. Um, the Jonas Brothers didn't come to mind, but the Beatles were definitely referenced yes. by people this weekend. Um, and it was just as an out, like, obviously, like I was kind of in the mess last year and like being able to like 
take a step back and watch it happen, I was like, holy crap, this is this is just an unreal because last year was crazy. I think this year there was like six kids deep off the off the rope. Like it was un, like un, it, I can't even describe it. And so when you have that kind of effect and you're trying to gear up for a game and one of your bigger games of the weekend, like I can understand Coach Gasso's reason for keeping them on the bus because it's definitely, I think, a little bit of a distraction um, and all that stuff. So I think that was honestly best case scenario, even though there were some little bumps in the road. But um, honestly, I love that the Mississippi State was kind of com competitive from the jump because it kind of gave them a reason to really claw back and show a little bit more of a true color of um, OU's lineup. Um, and I was also happy, too, with May. Um, Coach kind of let her kind of fight her battles in that game. She wasn't too quick to pull her. She, you know, let her go deep into counts and really fight her game. Um, she went um, four innings, and maybe some fans were like, oh, why is May being kept in? But, like, she – I was sitting by on the backstop. She was kind of humming it this weekend, and – I love to see that, and when and coaches are able to give their pitchers maybe a little bit longer of a leash, um, people might think that with such a deep staff that they're, she'd be quick to pull or give someone else a chance, a new look. But she left May in and kind of let her, you know, ride it out. And I was I love to see that just to see the kind of evolution and growth of May, not only within the game but like also within the four years. May has just grown so much into a pitcher, um, uh, and it's just it's really cool to see. It's one of the things that I don't know how much this filters out because I'm a psycho. This is my job. And I go home and the, the team that I love the most is Chelsea football club, the soccer team. And like the first thing I do when I'm going to unwind is I watch every second of press conference video that's available. Cause I'm like, I want to hear everything that's said. I want to analyze the body language, stuff like that. If you're one of those people, I love you mainly cause you keep me employed. But if you watch a lot of Patty Gasso press conferences, especially early in seasons, she is not afraid to tell the media or stuff like that. Like, I am not afraid of losing. Losing happens. This is softball. What Oklahoma is doing right now is actually the exception to the rule, not the rule. And part of that is if you leave Nicole May out, or even if, you know, maybe it's a little bit different because Nicole May is a senior. But if you if you leave um, Kirsten Deal out a little bit longer, and she was awesome this weekend, so this weekend wouldn't have been an example of that, they're going to learn more or you're going to learn more about your player and they're going to learn more about themselves being able to work out of jams, knowing that like, okay, like obviously everyone wants to win every single game, but it's not, no one is losing a scholarship. No one's season is broken. If you drop one game in February, but those lessons are better learned being in that moment. than the second you walk, you're out of there. One of those things. And I, I just think it's, it's really fascinating how that is something that applies to both like seniors and freshmen and transfers. Patty Gas was unafraid to just be like, figure it out problem solve you're a veteran you should be able to work yourself out of this and that's what nicole may kind of did because i know you see three runs it's a tightly contested game but by the time that nicole may was withdrawn you're right she had settled things down she had a really nice hold i think it was the the fourth inning that let oklahoma come back out and then extend the lead and it was a quick i don't think it was three up three down i think she'd given up maybe a single but it was there were it was a very very quick half inning and it was almost like a you could see even on the broadcast that Mississippi State kind of went back to the dugout, had to sit there for a second, was like, oh, crap, we're about to be down more if, if Oklahoma locked in. And the lineup had her back, and, and that's exactly how that kind of played out. And then when she was kind of pulled, it was now Patty Gasso, she's not pulling Nicole May because she's concerned about it. She's trying to say, we have this staff ethos, and we're going to move to our quote-unquote middle reliever, closer, whatever that looks like. Yeah, no, it was, it was great kind of experience. And like you described, it's where – you know, you're going to learn more, even if you are a veteran, a, a rookie. Um, so I love that kind of transition and seeing that out of coach. And a lot of people, um, what's funny is as I was in the stands, I feel like everyone kind of tapped on my shoulder. Like, what do you think coach is doing here? What do you think is the reason for that? And why are they doing that reason? I'm like, your guess is as good as mine right now. Like I maybe have some tips or ideas, but um, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> there's a I reason why I'm not, for a year. Yeah. There's a reason why I'm not coach Gasso or coaching right now. So I'm going to let them, I'm going to let coach Gasso figure it all out. And I'm going to spectate just like we all should. Um, but don't get me wrong this weekend. I learned a lot about myself. Um, and as they say, I've always been known to be an emotional pitcher. Yeah. And I even tweeted it out this weekend of just like shouting out the pitcher parents, including my own, because now that like, obviously I have great relationships with the bullpen and like even the transfers, um, I've class with Carly. Um, I, I helped Kelly kind of with the, a little bit of a transition. Um, and even Peyton, I kind of helped her too with, you know, coming from big 10 to, um, 
to Oklahoma and I have these relationships and I'm like wanting to fight the umpire with anything that yeah. might be close around the strike zone. It was, uh, I got, I'm not going to just say the number, but that first game against Mississippi State, I got more than two texts that were like, was that a strike? Was was that, was he right there? And I was just like, oh boy. I was like, Alex, uh, when, when we're getting to the season where they're here, I'm not going to be watching this. You're going to have to fend for yourself from this. You're going to have to figure out your vantage point, stuff like that. No, it was fun. Uh, one of those things. Uh, someone who didn't have those issues, Kirsten Deal, she absolutely rocked and rolled on Saturday. I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break. On the other side, we'll dive into it. felt like Oklahoma turned a page a little bit on Saturday and Sunday from the hotly contested first couple of innings against Mississippi State, first couple of innings against Wisconsin. Um, Saturday and Sunday, it looked a lot cleaner, a lot more like what I think Patty Gasso is looking for. I'm going to dive into that. And we've got a bunch of other stuff that uh, we have a barbecue debate that is raging on. Uh, I've got some questions for you just about the Mary Nutter experience. We have a ton to dive into here on this special Monday edition of The Road to OKC. That's Alex Straco. I'm Ryan Chapman. Quick timeout. We'll be right back on the other side, diving into more of what happened this weekend out in Cathedral City. You're listening to The Road to OKC Softball Show with Ryan Chapman and former Sooner National Champion and current OKC Spark pitcher Alex Duraco on your home for the Sooners, 1077, the franchise. Welcome back. Road to OKC carries on. Ryan Chapman alongside the great Alex Duraco. Shout out to Michael Branson, Maddie Goldfish, back in the saddle helping us out tonight as um, accidentally had to cancel some stuff and then we had to uncancel it and then we had to change producers. It's fine. It's fine. Shout out to Maddie Goldfish. We appreciate you for being flexible. Alex, we're going to dive into more of the softball talk here in a second, but something that I've been waiting for personally, and no one may care about this, but literally... We've gotten tweets about it, which makes me feel like I've, like, shamed everyone into caring about this. And this was, um, so for me, the hardest thing this weekend is when Oklahoma was an hour behind on the first game. We didn't know that until we fired up the stream that it was going to be a full hour behind because I just, like, wasn't thinking. And so I was doing a live blog where I was like, I'm now just having to, like, talk to myself for an hour and hope that people stay. So I had to tell Alex, like, can I put the photo of the barbecue in the live blog. Can I give my own opinions on this barbecue? If you missed it last week, Monday on the Franchise Morning Show, Eddie and I talked to Kinsey Hansen. She talked about this tri-tip sandwich. She's like, it's to die for. Love it. Tuesday, we talked to JT Gasso. JT Gasso was very polite, but what he didn't say, but what he said was, it's California barbecue. I don't know what these kids are freaking out about. I was raised where real barbecue is. What the hell? Alex, we, the whole reason you went to Mary Nutter is we bankrolled it so that you could try this sandwich. Who is right? Kinsey, JT, or are you going to ride a fence and, and be like, oh, they, everyone's entitled to their opinion? You know, that's, I feel like I'm, could be biased. I could be. Yeah. I'm, I, let me just preface too. I come from Chicago. Yes. So I feel like I'm not, you know, homegrown barbecue. We, we actually, and you're just now learning this. I had Ryan Aber of the Oklahoman try this as well, just in case you weren't confident enough in your barbecue. But, but again, I'd like to bring up you. You have great connections to Carolinians, Carolinians, Carolinians who have it's different barbecue, but it's quality barbecue as well. So I, I feel I trust you in that. I feel like you've been given a great education in, in barbecue. Might I add, I also had a I had a sandwich where with barbecue or with barbecue sauce and a dry a tri tip. Without. Dry. Okay. Yeah. And I prefer the barbecue one. Okay. Yep. We're going to put that out there. But also, I'm going to have to say immediate reaction. I'm going to go seven, seven out of ten. Okay. Upon reflection, I'm going to stick with a seven or seven and a half out of ten. Okay. Like, it's a pretty quality sandwich. I mean... Yes, it's expensive, so maybe not to the dollar. But it's ballpark food. But it's ballpark. One of those and things. And, like, to that point, like... Because it's ballpark food and you're not getting that kind of quality-esque ballpark anywhere else, that's why I'm going to have to, like, go seven, seven and a half. Okay. So are, are we are we just, are we going point to Kenzie Hansen, point to T.R.A. Jennings, unnamed backer of the sandwich as well? 
Yeah, because like I would have to say every time you go to Mary Nutter, you have to have the sandwich. Okay, okay. I think that was the point that was raised. So you heard it here first. This is the stuff you can only hear on the road to OKC. Other stuff you can only hear on the road to OKC is Alex Rocco breaking down Oklahoma's pitching staff and what happened there. We're going to get to the hitters because I think the hitters uh, were really locked in all weekend. Obviously, what Ella Parker did on Sunday against Seattle and um, Loyola Marymount, a pair of home runs on Sunday. Um, Jada Coleman, in a very, very weird way, it took her until this tournament a year ago to get her first home run, and then she had a career high and was one of the, the most lethal power hitters on the team and in the country. It felt like it mirrored that perfectly, but Oklahoma had their first complete game performance in the circle on Saturday. Kirsten Deal gets the nod against San Diego State. What we had labeled, or at least I had circled, as like, this was my big trap game, especially if things went late on Friday. I never imagined it would be that late as uh, it was, what, 1130 when, when things wrapped up. So get back to the hotel, all that stuff to turn around. And she was lights out, seven scoreless innings. Barely any traffic on the base pass at all. It was, what, three hits, no walks, one hit batter, I think. So uh, just four base runners across the whole seven innings. I mean, Kirsten Deal, if anyone was worried about her and her nerves weekend one, she sailed in last week against Lamar. This was a super regional team, San Diego State, a year ago, and, and she just shut them down completely on Saturday. Yeah, I feel like when you say you wanted to talk about the offense, I feel like she kind of set the tone for the offense Uh obviously that game, but then also Sunday too, and really kind of uh, turned it all around and just like, okay, we're Oklahoma, we're going to come here and we're going to do this. And that's what it felt like. She had that composure. She had that kind of attitude to her um, on the mound. And then she was able to like come to the dugout, smile about stuff and kind of unlock a little things about not only herself and within like a pitching performance, but also like within the hitters. I feel like when the hitters see that kind of dominant performance, they're like, okay, like she's... She's got her backs, and so I feel like within that, it kind of let the hitters kind of relax and do their thing at the plate, and you saw the results out of that within um, just the game as a whole, and then it was even amplified um, Sunday when you had those two run rules within six innings and five against Seattle and Loyola Marymount. So, like, I feel like she was kind of a the, the tone setter for the rest of the weekend. I was really excited for her. Um and just seeing her kind of improve in a short amount of time. I know a lot of people had her questions for her about her and her performances in the first, first weekend. Um, and I just wanted to be like, mm, just give it some time. We emphasize like for those past couple of episodes of just like, hey, like she kind of came on the back half of the of the season last year. She was under 30 innings. You know, she's already getting to, you know, a good chunk of that um, halfway. And just knowing that she has that, kind of swagger to her that's coming back and so um I'm, i was excited for her and then we had a solid couple of um appearances after that for the next um couple of games too and just not only pitching staff but then like you said the offense ella parker was unreal i mean she just absolutely blasted some of those balls this weekend and that was really exciting um ludlam riley ludlam so much fun to watch behind the plate. I was by the backstop. She caught the Seattle game. So the first game, 9 a.m. Um, against Seattle, um, catching Carly Keeney. And when I tell you, she was a blast to just kind of like sit there and just like watch. Um, <clears throat> she was, she had like a lot of, I don't know, just attitude within herself of like just character. And you didn't see the nerves maybe that some might see, especially when you're like, okay, like it's my turn to catch and I have to follow up against Kenzie Hansen, who's, you know, a crowd favorite. She's always been just kind of that rock behind the plate for this Oklahoma program the last couple of years. So it was fun to see her behind the plate and then also just kind of go off within the, in the, in the batter's box. She, she absolutely lasered one out of the park this, this weekend and, she was just a lot of fun and just seeing her kind of follow up and it felt like the newbies kind of settled the rest of the team. That's kind of the energy that it had. I mean, you look at the freshmen this weekend, Ella Parker, she was seven for 15. Cassidy Pickering led the team in average and eight for 12 at the plate. And so when you see those kinds of numbers and you see your, your freshmen and, and your newcomers kind of setting the tone for the rest of the weekend, then it's when you have games from Tiare who is a triple away from the cycle um, she's having, she's leading the team. She, um, Tiari had nine RBIs this weekend, which is just crazy to think about. Um, 
Riley Boone, unstoppable. I mean, the only thing that could stop her is when she trips. That's literally <laughs> that's literally the only thing. I mean, you look at. Um, I think that once you get past like the third weekend, things really start to like, and everyone has dips and valleys, and everyone's going to go through a minor slump here or there. But like Cassie Pickering, still top in uh, batting average, still top in on base percentage. Like Riley Boone's up there. Ella Parker still the joint lead of uh, drawing walks. Ella, Sydney, and, and Tiara lead the team, tied with, with seven walks drawn through the, these weekends. And you look at it, and one of the things that I thought was really encouraging is. I think everyone remembers the the really, really hot couple of weekends for Jocelyn Erickson a year ago as a freshman that was slotted into the Oklahoma's lineup. And the Mary Nutter, I feel like, is where she kind of dipped a little bit. And it was, okay, there's two weekends of film on you. Teams are really starting to prepare. What does that look like? And you've seen Ella Parker. She's super patient, and that's stayed that way. And as teams have attacked her differently, I thought that Pickering kind of got attacked, attacked low in a way against uh, Washington specifically. And I don't really think that last weekend, anyone that maybe McNeese had the horses to kind of test her. You saw pitchers that had the ability to test her this weekend, and, and it looked like she was unbothered. And suddenly, like, when you watch, is they're no longer attacking her low in a way. That means they're like, okay, well, she's made that adjustment. We need to just go back to trying to, to go through and, and attack differently throughout a, a whole at-bat as opposed to just saying, until you can hit this pitch, we're, we're just going to keep shoving it at you. Yeah, and I think that's an, another big thing is like the adjustment. And I think I've heard a lot of the players and even coach say that she's so into hitting. Like she's so wanting to learn more. She wants to attack in different ways. And I think a big thing too is <clears throat> when she doesn't have success, she's able to, you don't see the frustration out of her or Ella Parker. And I think when you see that kind of maturity out of two freshmen, um, that are two of five with double digit RBIs on the on the weekend. That's huge. You don't you you don't see the frustration. You don't see the um, discouragement. Um, and I think that's huge within a lineup and kind of that security that you know will back the pitchers when maybe they don't have deal esque pitching performances like you know KD had this weekend. So um, I think, like you said, this is like that kind of three weekends in. Now we go, now we explode. They have the the trips to kind of learn more about each other, not only off the field, but on the field, how people tick. Um, and just getting that team factor. I mean, everyone's like, oh, they've had however many months together. But, but season brings a different side of you out. Those layovers in the airport, the running for a possible connection that they almost missed um, from what I've heard. Um, just... Moments like that, I think, adds to it all. And so I think I'm really excited how it's all going to lead up for the opening of Love's Field this next weekend. And we'll talk about that a little bit to close the show. Um, we talked with Jada Coleman this morning on the morning show, and she was talking about, like, this is the first time she's got to unpack her suitcase since the season started. It, it's just little things like that. And it kind of leads me to um, maybe a little bit of the bow I want to put on the Mary Nutter. Because in the next segment, we're going to talk... A little bit about other stuff you saw at the Mary Nutter. Oklahoma was not the only team that played. There's some other stuff around the country. And then obviously we'll preview Love's Field in the opening of that. But this is a team that from the outside looking in, it's felt like two things always come out. First, um, it's almost like the poke the bear thing. And I think you saw that against Washington a little bit. Uh, weekend one, you saw that against Duke a little bit. Weekend one, you saw that against Long Beach State, for instance. Fast start. They tie the game up. It almost wakes the bats back up to be like, oh, okay, they're up for it. Then we... Cool. We have a worthy challenger type thing. The other thing is this Oklahoma team in the last two or three years, not only have they been excellent and won a ton of games, Alex, it's, it seemed like there's a pressure on Oklahoma to not just win, but perform and put on a show and be a show and be more than just a team that gets in and gets a gritty in and out and two nothing or something like that. And more times than not, this team finds a way to deliver. And I, I don't know what it is about, if it's the atmosphere at the Barry Nutter, and we're going to see it this weekend, right? Lovesfield's going to open, sold out opening weekend or opening day at least, over 4,000 fans packed in. And as unfair as it is to heap on the team, I'm expecting like fireworks on Friday, especially in game one, because this team has that it factor, that X factor of they perform. And it started with Jocelyn Allo. And, and like, I thought her superpower wasn't that she was the best hitter I've ever seen. It's that, she was like the most calm and clutch player. Like you, you think back to, oh, elimination game against UCLA at the Women's College World Series. What does she do? I'll, I'll just go two home run performance and like 
hit a grand slam, stuff like, and it was just like cool under pressure. And it was always the like, she's not going to hit a grand slam to set the record. Yeah, she is. She, that's what she's going to do. The, the team home run record is going to be that. Like, and and that's stayed past Jocelyn. And I don't know how to like explain that. It just feels like it is. No, I can. I totally understand, especially now as as a fan perspective. I feel like I've gotten this this weekend provided a lot more um, of just okay. I'm on the other side of the fence, which I feel like was kind of weird. It was from like sitting and watching from the couch, but like when you're in the stadium seats and you're watching your friends take on the field and you're no longer wearing that uniform, that was like full force for me this weekend, which was for sure weird. And I wasn't sure if it was that or just the late nights when it was 2.30 Oklahoma time and I'm just now going to bed after a long day at the fields. But like when you have that kind of emotion that leads into it, I can see why fans don't, aren't happy with like a, oh, we're just sneaking by or we're all just good enough. But like in reality, like I've said before, like we just got to appreciate the wins because somehow they turned it on. And I don't know how truthfully, like even when, you know, I was a part of it a year ago when we're number two in the country a year ago today and we go off and win 14 to zero and five against the number one LOL program in the country. They've had a tough weekend. They've had a tough three weeks. We'll get to UCLA. Right. But like when you and you see the crowd and everyone's hemming and hawing about your offense last year and oh, what are we going to do without Jocelyn Allo? And then they come out and do that. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. They can just they literally just flip the switch. And like, I feel like as a pitcher, I still don't know like the offensive secrets at times. And it's cool to be a part of it. And then also step away and like watch it happen Um, because no one knows the secret. I don't, I don't even think they do it sometimes, but they just kind of like have something that really gets them going to the next, to the next level. And I feel like at one point it was, it was, uh, I think Tiari's first home run of the weekend this past weekend at Mary Nutter that kind of livened them up. And then all of a sudden it was like, you get a double and you get a double and we'll have another home run and we'll have another home run. And it was like, okay, where has this been for the last 10 games where where is this coming from so i feel like when you have that kind of spark um no matter who it was um whether that's boone tia ella cassidy um you're gonna have that and i'm just excited to see that atmosphere of them in the dugout at loves and truthfully i'm so excited to hear the boone in loves field with four thousand people it's gonna be a ton of fun i can't wait um it's gonna be a scene on friday uh, we're going to talk a great deal about that up next. We're also going to talk about some of the other teams across the country. Texas and Stanford kind of had a rerun of what happened out at St. Pete Clearwater. That went the other way. The UCLA of it all, Tennessee, all that fun stuff coming up on the other side. We got plenty of shows still left. But first, before we hit this break, just a reminder that softball season, it's here. And you need to make sure that you have the equipment that allows you to perform at your very best. That equipment is Resilient. Resilient Softball, an Oklahoma-based company that produces innovative, high-quality softball products such as Goldilocks, revolutionary patented glove design that ensures the perfect fit for every player. So if you want to take your game to the next level, buy Resilient Softball gear at Gregory's Sporting Goods and more, or visit them online at ResilientSFBL.com. That's www.ResilientSFBL.com. That's Alex Straco. I'm Ryan Chapman. This is The Road to OKC. On the other side, like I said, take a quick trip around the country, and then we're going to stop in right back at Love's Field, which opens up this weekend with the OU Tournament. Stick with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Road to OKC Softball Show with Ryan Chapman and former Sooner National Champion and current OKC Spark pitcher Alex Straco on your home for the Sooners, 1077, The Franchise. Last segment, Road to OKC, firing off right now. Before we dive in, special shout-out to one of our great sponsors, Case & Associates. Find Case, find home. Just visit CaseUSA.com for available apartments in your favorite part of OKC. Uh, I live in a Case property. I absolutely love it. It's the best decision I've made in a long time, and you'll love it too, CaseUSA.com. Alex, more teams than just Oklahoma play at the Mary Nutter. Uh, there are a lot of fun games. We mentioned the reason why Oklahoma was behind uh, time-wise on Friday is because UCLA staged a dramatic rally against Nebraska to come all the way back, win that game, took advantage of really unfortunate fielding mistake from Northwestern 
to win that game. A perfect uh, 2-0 day on Friday. But North uh, UCLA had kind of an up-and-down weekend. I, I feel like they've been um, one of the stories early on in the season because a lot of people knew, hey, kind of scheduled to maybe take a step back. This could be a little bit of a rebuilding year for the Bruins. And it's not the end-all be-all the first three weekends, but it feels like they've taken a couple more steps back than I think anyone really was prepared to see a program like UCLA take here uh, in 2024 to start this thing off. Yeah, it was for sure kind of fr- uh, surprising. And when we were waiting around and watching that Nebraska-UCLA game, um, everyone was like, okay, Nebraska is kind of showing up here and really putting pedal to the metal. And then all of a sudden it was like heavy chaos, high-scoring game. And we were like, holy crap, there's no way. And then, of course, guess who walks it off? Maya Brady. Um, exciting game. UCLA then goes into a really tight one with Northwestern. Um, I actually think I had Northwestern kind of, you know, picking that one. If you guys aren't aware, Softball America actually has, like, weekly picks every week that you can do. Um, So I actually kind of jumped in on that one um, this weekend. And it was kind of fun to kind of watch my results and all that stuff. Um, But then also I got to stay around for the UCLA-Tennessee game um, after the Sunday matches of Oklahoma and I, with the way Tennessee has been playing, I really thought that they were going to sweep UCLA kind of out of the way and kind of make nothing of them. And Carlin Pickens actually started the game, and UCLA went um, with Taylor Tinsley. And it was kind of a, a matchup for the matchups, I feel like. Um, Carlin Pickens, she's thrown hard, and she's known for kind of throwing hard and that low ball. Um, and I'm just impressed in a pitcher sense of, like how she throws, um, it's really kind of exciting to see a very different um, esque of throwing. Um, but I was also kind of surprised by the UCLA sophomore. She was thrown harder than maybe I kind of expected, but also what I saw from her last year. I know she had an appearance um, when OU played UCLA. And so when you see that kind of development of a pitcher, it's kind of maybe what they're, like you said, building around. Um, and so UCLA actually ended up winning that game 6-2, to two, a little bit lopsided of a score than I thought that it was going to be. Um, So I also think that's a little bit telling within Tennessee. Everyone, I feel like, has kind of been Tennessee's kind of doing their thing. Preseason number two in a lot of spots, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been up and down. Right. So it was a really good matchup, and I was excited to be able to, like, stay and watch and everything. So um, that was really fun and honestly kind of just – Interesting to watch just because OU doesn't have that matchup early on this year with either of the teams. I know in 2022, they had that matchup with Tennessee. Last year, we had it with UCLA. Um, So I was kind of mad that we didn't have that matchup as I was going. But also, too, I'm glad to see that kind of comparative of the two against each other to really see that comparison. Um, So I think that was really interesting when you see that score and you see that kind of backwardsness of maybe everyone expected um the offense kind of fired up for ucla and pitching kind of held it down um so that was a big one i kind of floated around and watched nebraska a little bit um they're always been in my mind kind of a feisty team before the jordy ball transfer um so i wasn't surprised with some some really well played just scrappy teams and games this this weekend um within their opponents and so it was all around just fun weekend and seeing um, just the different competition and stuff like that. I, I think, too, it's one of those things where you look at, okay, UCLA is not the UCLA we're used to seeing, but they still have the talent to, to show up and, and have a really strong performance against the Tennessee team. So you go down a Tennessee rabbit hole. Okay, what does that really mean? And then we've talked about it. Tennessee has an up-and-down weekend. They actually got smoked by Cal State Fullerton on Friday at the Barry Nutter, which was just a... Kind of a bizarre thing, not expected, lost 11-2. to two, Then immediately rebounds and beats a really feisty Oregon State team. People remember seeing them at the World Series here recently. Um, and it kind of goes back to the little bit of the Jekyll and Hyde is they, they had two really strong ones over Baylor to open the season, then lost two one-run ball games to Stanford and Texas at St. Pete Clearwater. So you're like, okay, who, who has cemented that number two spot? You go, okay, Texas has played really well. The opening weekend they had against... Not just UCLA, but the wins over Stanford uh, in Clearwater, stuff like that. In Tennessee, they circle back. Texas loses to Stanford. Stanford comes to Austin to the Longhorn Invitational, um, wins 4-3 in eight innings. We've seen 
the the ups and downs of OSU really strong win against a Washington team that's really really good after what they did against you know Georgia and stuff like that in LSU and I think that it's important to remember and it's been weird trying to have this conversation in this era of softball the last couple of years as a sport we've never had it better there's so much talent across the country the parity is so great that you have the top teams turning over you have simultaneously really fun Cinderella runs that can actually make noise as well as your UCLA's, your your um, Florida State's, things like Oklahoma State, they've submitted themselves. Like that can exist at the same time that Oklahoma has been as dominant as we've ever seen in the sport. And I feel like that kind of flies under the radar. And it's why it's like almost even more impressive that Oklahoma has consolidated the power at the top of the sport when it's as deep and as as good as it's ever been. Like that this team on a 67-game winning streak, you take it 10 years ago, and they might win 200 games playing at the level that they're playing at the competition. I think it's it's that little nugget when you talk about, hey, they're still winning. Even if they're not winning pretty the first two weekends, they're still unbeaten. There are not a lot of teams else across the country, good, bad, ugly, pretty, that can say that. And that that's kind of like, the, I think, the thing that needs to be appreciated most about Oklahoma is that while there's all of this chaos around the country, there's like, the only chaos is like, are they going to give up two runs in the first couple of innings or is it just going to be a shutout? That, that's kind of like the chaos that Oklahoma has. Yeah, and if that's the only kind of chaos, like that's honestly the best kind of chaos if that's what we're going to have. And and so, like we've said, just appreciating the ability to win in this kind of era, um, I really see this kind of couple of years kind of stepping towards the offensive era. I feel like with a big graduation last year of a lot of core pitchers within Kat Sandercock, Megan Faramo, Montana Fouts, you see just that kind of transition. And I feel like Clearwater was a little bit of it. I I feel this explosion coming out of Oklahoma. Um, but then you also have other teams that have the depth and the ability and the talent to have three, four hitters hitting over 400 and having the RBI numbers and having the home run numbers. And it's like, whoa, where are these guys coming from? Because Oklahoma has been the headliner for so long. But I think that's what makes this the run so special is you don't know who's going to win or lose for the weekend. You really can't pick it anymore because it is so crazy. Um, and that's what I think is getting so popular about the sport. There's There's ups and there's downs and there's wins and there's upsets and losses and you really just can't keep track of it. I remember just being in the stands this weekend, and we were keeping track of the Stanford-Texas matchup. And, okay, is Kennedy pitching? Is she not? Reese Atwood, she's been having an insane start to the to the year so far. Who are those top Who are those top players? And, and everyone just kind of is like, well, yeah, like, look at the half the roster at Oklahoma. Like, why aren't, why aren't they in the conversation? But it's like when you really kind of look at it from a different perspective of maybe not being a sole OU fan, it's expected of OU softball. And so when it's expected, it's not as special. So when you see these players from other programs kind of having their breakout year and their really big year and they're going to get awards for it or are they going to stay on this track and it's special for other people and other programs and other fans because it's not expected. And so the unexpected from OU fans is when there's a down weekend or there's not a lot of offensive power. And that just goes back to show how unreal and how low the chances are for the amount of, of success that this run is. Um, I know that there was a stat that I saw that was like, I think it was within before the weekend and there's a higher chance of you winning the lottery than winning 67 straight. Yeah. Which is, I would love to do. <laughs> I, I, I would just take the lottery. I, I appreciate uh, the skill and all the work that you guys have put in your entire lives to perform at this level. I'll just take some, a, a bill that would be nice. Uh, but to each their own, um, you mentioned the chaos that's been happening. Well, the only chaos that's happened to Norman the last couple of weekends was OU Baseball opening up at L.A. Mitchell Park this past weekend. That will change on the Oklahoma front come Friday. It's a day that a lot of people have been waiting for. Finally, Love's Field. The gates will open. Uh, if you've been keeping track, it's been getting closer and closer and closer. It's not going to be totally done. It'll be totally done to play in. But I think by the time, um, like the end of the month, maybe... Uh, circling back through certainly into March. I, like, I think that the the people that are lucky enough to go out multiple weekends will be like, oh, this has been added. This has been added. I, I've heard the word. It might not be totally beautified, that that phrasing uh, from my friend Eli Letterman. He was talking about that. 
uh, not not be totally up, but it'll be firing off, and it's going to be an incredible atmosphere. Two games on Friday, Miami of Ohio at 2 p.m., the return trip from the the, the uh, jaunt you guys made out there where Sidney Sanders really turned it on uh, kind of third of the way, two-thirds of the way through the year last year. Liberty also in the house. That'll be a 5 p.m. game. A couple games on Saturday, Louisiana and Liberty, and then a Louisiana game on Sunday as well. Um, I just know this Louisiana in years past has had some pretty fun bats. Usually they've paired it with a little bit better pitching staff than what they've got this go around. Uh, this should be a really fun opportunity for uh, a bunch of different groups of fans to work their way in across three days. But I'm just excited to see what it's going to look like filled up because I'll be sitting there in the press box this weekend and be like, it's going to look totally different in like a month. And I think that's going to be like really unique and almost kind of fun. Like I know that everyone would like it to be totally 100% like landscaping done, all that stuff. The nuts and bolts of it's going to be firing off this weekend. I think it's going to be kind of fun to see like you come back, oh, here's some bushes and some hedges and some trees and all that stuff go up. It's going to be cool to see it progress over this next month as Oklahoma moves in and gets settled all in. Yeah, no, I'm excited too, and just kind of be a part. The fans get to be a part of the growth of Love's Field, which I think is something super special and like does not happen ever. Um, they always wait for it to be beautified to really cut the ribbon and stuff. Or, um, but I know fans have been warned to take it with literally a grain of dirt as you enter the stadium. So I'm a, I'm pumped. I'm I'm excited for this weekend slate of games. I think if we kind of reflect on last year, um, we. OU played Miami of Ohio as well as Liberty. Liberty had Carly Keeney um, last year and took us into eight innings. Uh, so that was an exciting weekend. Um, they have a solid core. They have a couple big hitters. Um, they have a junior pitcher with a below one of ERA. So that's kind of exciting to see maybe how we, as an offense, deal with that. Um, Miami of Ohio is kind of known for a couple of their big sluggers within hitters. They have an All-American still on the team, Carly Spade. Maybe not as high of an average, but she still has eight home runs and 17 RBIs already on on the season. So some big numbers there within her from the plate, but then also she's got a good core hitter around her that um, can also do a lot from the plate too. So I think that'll be a fun test specifically in that game for our pitching staff to see how they kind of make of that. Um, as well as Louisiana, I don't know if anyone remembered from op- opening weekend, they were a little chippy. They were a little fun. They were a little little feisty on the yeah. field with Cal. So I'm excited to just see how Louisiana plays. Sam Landry has um, kind of been in the talks just within the pitching world. Um, she's kind of that core within the pitching staff, maybe not having the year that of a start that she wants, but um, she's going to have that Lexi Delbury and Sam Rowe are transfers from Florida. They have a little bit of that SEC experience while bringing that to the team. Excited to see how they kind of mash into it all. Um, But I think as a core for a weekend and opening loves field, it'll be really kind of exciting just to see the blend of it all um, and see kind of the energy that the dugouts going to propel into the field, but then also what the fans are going to bring. I'm so excited to see what the fans bring energy force and just loudness and, and hearing everything. Um, and like you said, OU softball performs and puts on a performance. So I think they'll definitely live up to that kind of standard this, this weekend with the, with the crowd. I'm excited to see what it looks like. First off, hopefully it's dry for that game against Louisiana. Cause otherwise things get wonky. Shout out to if you're on softball talk and you just have, I've probably watched that video 10 times because it's just perfect. Uh, we appreciate Cal. Someone that we, uh, you guys were very familiar with uh, a year ago in regional play. But I- I'm fascinated because, like, mentally what I've been trying to do this whole time is, like, okay, so the Hall of Fame Classic is a tournament that went away this year. Not to get into the nuts and bolts of it, but more teams in the Big 12 this year, fewer bye weeks. The bye weeks are where you get to host your multi-team tournament, stuff like that. Oklahoma typically use one to play the Hall of Fame Classic want to play all the games it loves totally understand that the the 5,000 fans that would be around like the lower bowl of like the Friday session and the Saturday session of the Hall of Fame classic that's about the same number give or take just uh depending on what kind of session you rolled up to but instead of just being spread out literally like well beyond the third baseline all the way down to the first baseline gonna be able to totally surround the field you're still gonna have that energy from the outfield that's what makes the hall of fame classic and and i'm sure that you felt this from the hall of fame classic to even the big 12 tournament where the upper decks open to then the world series the fans that are behind you it it feels like I mean, anytime that you've been out to marita hines or anything like that you see 
Boone and, and Jada and everybody out there, like get the fans to do it behind him. I, I'm I'm excited to see what that looks like as far as four thousand plus fans totally surrounding the field, not not having to have just empty swatches of grass and gravel in the outfield. And like Jada Coleman and Riley Boone, like it feels like they're gonna be trying to one-up each other with sports center like plays and web gyms out there in the outfield. While I, I'm interested to see if uh, inside the dugout, they're like, okay, is there a pool for who gets the first home run? Who who gets the the first, like, uh, no-no at Love's Field this year? So, like, the little internal stuff that, that adds some juice to the season that Coach would yell at all of you if she ever found out was happening. But the stuff that you're humans and confident players, like, stuff like that's going to happen, yeah? I mean, I hope so. Jeez, I want to put something on that. Like, yeah. I'm I'm also like I think another thing too that maybe not a lot of people might think about is like the graphics on the scoreboard like what are we putting in the panhandle yeah. I would love to like can't wait to see what we do with that are we putting a target out there what's the deal like are we hitting the heart and loves like what's going on that with would that? be incredible right that, that is uh, we talked to JT the first time we talked to him on on Tuesdays about I, I was joking about like even net out in front of the scoreboard because I know jokes and loves it and he's like that's a heck of a shot and I'm like yeah but you've seen Alyssa Brito yeah. Kinsey Hanson which by the way sorry to go all the way back to the Mississippi State game uh, Oklahoma just did like the version of anything you can do I can do better where Hanson's like oh you're gonna put it out into the tarp out there I'm, okay I'll punch a hole in the tarp just incredible stuff there but like uh, somebody's gonna smoke that board the first time this year and we're all gonna be like. So who's paying for it? Is the panel okay? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Yeah, no, I'm I'm pumped. There's just so many different aspects. Like you said, who's going to have the first of everything out there? Who's going to get the first start? Who's going to get the first touch of the grass? I mean, the first diving play, the first rob of the home run. My money on, on is on Jada, but I mean, so is everyone else's. But I'm just excited to see that aspect. But also, who's all there? Come on, show up. Show up. I am uh, I'm not super concerned about them showing up. I actually like if you're looking at one like maybe that Liberty game, like the second game on day one where maybe the the emotional letdown of, okay, you've played the first game, it's excited. Now you're going to turn the page and, and start over and play another game. See what that looks like. But uh, I, I think we all can't wait. And uh, I know it's something that's going to make a lot of people happy. Um, this is your reminder. We love everyone that works at Flow. Obviously, I canceled my Flow this morning. You're, you're I did too. For all your softball, you're done with flow. If you're, if you're an ESPN Plus, the only time you venture off ESPN Plus or ESPN proper is for, I believe it's game one of Bedlam that got picked up by FS1. Everything else is ESPN Plus the rest of the way. So obviously what you could do is you put the ESPN Plus stream on, you know, not going to have the technical difficulties. You mute it and then you turn Plank on here with the franchise and that's the way you roll. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I don't doubt it because Plank is the best of the best. He's the man. He's the man indeed. And also when he tells you to listen to the show, do it. Do it. But Alex, uh, that's all the time that we've got. Real quick, one big shout out to Riverwind Casino, one of our other incredible sponsors. Uh, Jim Gaffigan's rolling through Riverwind on March 23rd. Tickets start as low as $83. There are two showtimes, 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. So get out there to Riverwind. Ton, a ton, a ton of entertainment, best games, all that stuff out at Riverwind Casino. But that'll do it for us. Big shout out to Maddie Goldfish for the late call out of the pin. We appreciate you, Alex. Happy you made it back in. We'll talk next week. Next week is another Monday show. We only have three weeks the entire year that we're not on Wednesday due to games and stuff. Next week is one of those weeks. So we'll talk to you in seven days. As always, if you missed any of it, it'll be podcast at thefranchiseok.com or just search the road to OKC on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. But until next week, for Alex, for Matt, I'm Ryan Chapman. We will talk to you guys next Monday.